This is episode 70 of Outlander Cast with Mary and Blake. All the way from Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to Outlander Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. everyone and welcome i'm your host mary larson my name's blake and i've been having some serious outlander withdrawals oh my gosh you and i both not gonna lie i need some more claire in my life (laughs) i I need some more murtaugh i need some more jamie even though it kills me to say that (laughs) and i need i need some more uh frank and blackjack i just need more i hear you i hear you i'm really really excited that we are doing this episode we waited a little while because we wanted to make sure we got all the great feedback from you all about the finale and we also needed to take a little bit of a break too because we i did the count honey we we produced over 30 episodes for this season so far 30 episodes that's amazing that's crazy yeah right isn't it i mean it's it was fun i had a lot of fun doing it. it was great interacting with all of you guys but you think about that, that was third, that's over, that's probably nearly 45 hours of podcasting. <laughs> Just of podcasting, not even an ev- of editing. Yeah, never mind producing it, never mind like uh, writing it, you know, completing it, you know, just whatever. That's just, that's just on air. Hey, that's okay. That's okay. The, the amount of time I spend doing this, it probably means it's my full-time job. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and you know what? I'm so effing happy about that because you do (laughs) and i do love love podcasting damn straight all right so this of course is the listener feedback episode for episode 213 dragonfly and amber otherwise known as the season finale that's right for outlander um i do want to let you all know that we have a great facebook group available it's called the outlander cast clan gathering you're going to want to find that on facebook but we have a brand new group it's our book club group. If you search Outlander Cast Clan Book Club, it's for all of you who are book readers who are just dying when Blake says something that you say, no, that he has no idea because he's not a book reader. <laughs> and if you just want to go geek out with other book readers, this is the place for you. So Outlander Cast Clan Book Club. And it's if, another group in Facebook. And I just really highly recommend it. And if you're sick of me, guess what? I'm not in the group. Yes, Blake is not in the group. It's not that he's not allowed, but... No, no, I'm not allowed. <laughs> okay. I'm not allowed. Well, I'm in it, and a lot of other people are in it, and we are, we are talking to our hearts content. All right, we will jump in to your listener feedback. It's basically the forbidden forest. That's what, that's what that is. You're a wizard, Harry. All right, you ready for the recap? <laughs> yes. All right, let's do it. How do you like that? I actually made the Harry Potter reference this time. I'm very proud of you. I want to see how many more references we can actually get. 
for the rest of this episode. This is going to be the last listener feedback episode for quite some time. It is, but we have a couple more episodes definitely planned for you guys, so don't worry. Oh, certainly. So You'll get uh, your Harry Potter fix. On the website, Kathy Van Wessup says, I did want to correct a minor point. In episode 101, Jamie's ghost sees Claire through the window at Mrs. Baird's bed and breakfast, yes. not the window she's looking out of in 213, which is at the Wakefield Mans. And when I, I'm sorry, go ahead, this, go ahead. this was literally like one of the most commented things that we got sent to us via email, via Twitter, via Facebook. I think, guys, so I, of course, in the last episode was like, wow, wasn't that great that, that Claire is at that same window? And of course, now knowing. And being like, no, Mary, she wasn't at the same window. I was wishing and hoping and thinking <laughs> and praying. I was just on that ghost kick, guy. So I appreciate all of the feedback telling me that it was the wrong window. You know I'm a dreamer. What, you know what, Mary? This one's for you. Yep. That, that's for you. Thank you for everyone who pointing it out. <laughs> I was wishing and hoping. You, know you were I'll, right. I might just throw this one in there, too. Okay, that's... That's a little mean. <laughs> Continue with Kathy's feedback. She says, when I first saw this episode, I gave it a 4.7 kilt because of the inordinate number of intercuts between the time periods that just kept jolting me out of the scene. I was just getting invested in and then pulling my focus to another one. But after repeated viewings, I found this to be less and less disruptive and felt that the effect was intentional to keep the tension, to keep us on an emotional roller coaster. Another thing that bothered me was that there was no final moment between Claire and Murta. And I, this is me speaking now. I totally agree with this. I really felt like Claire and Murta needed, especially because they developed that relationship uh, over the season, that they really needed a moment uh, between each other. Anyway, but when you realize that at the point where Jamie sends Murta to gather the Lally Brock men, Claire does not realize that Jamie is going to take her to the stones and that this is the last time she will see Murta. I do believe that Murta knew it because he gave. Gave Jamie a knowing nod when he said, I must see Claire safe. And they looked towards the hill of Craig the Dune. So I have revised my kilt rating to five kilts because all of the other elements in this episode deserved bonus points. When I binge watch season two, I think that I will have a different response to the previous episodes now that I know that the arc and where we are going. Diane Cruz says, I love the personality uh, that, that, Wow. Okay. I love the person. Oh, there it is. Okay. The, I, whew, I love the personality insights. Diane, this one's for you. Uh, that you both bring to your recaps. Brie was most probably drinking in urn brew, which is, I guess, pure sugar and much loved by the Scots. The advertising stated it was made in Scotland from girders uh, and they, apparently it's vile stuff so it, it was orange whatever she was drinking we, we were saying that it was tang uh but it i guess it's urn brew uh, it and please do not eviscerate me on the pronunciation of any of that stuff because i don't think i'm smart enough to uh to pronounce that correctly Charlotte Marks says three thoughts. I've read all of Diana's books multiple times and Voyager is my favorite. I'll refrain from spoilers, but the characters alone have me tingling in anticipation. Keeping up with the casting is going to be a blast. And Blake, you will love it. Smugglers, pirates, selkies. Oh my, oh my gosh. Yes. Oops. Oh, did I just let that one slip out? You don't even know what that means, Blake. And we're just going to run by it. She also notes that thank God Skelton didn't attempt a Boston 
accent. Only one new non-New Englander, in her opinion, actor has ever、uh, been able to pull this off. Jay, how do you say this guy's last name? This is the kid that stars in Reese's favorite movie. I know, I know, Baruchel. Yes, there you okay, go. There Good you job, go. Jay Baruchel, who we love in Goon. She said, really pulled off the New Englander's accent. Not to mention that Brie was raised by English parents,、yeah. one who taught at Harvard、yeah. and went to Catholic school where the nuns would smack you if you yelled "shut up" on the playground. So she went to Catholic school in the '60s, and I'm not kidding. And you know what? I agree. We were talking a bit about the accent business. Totally right. I mean, I have some friends whose parents are from abroad, and they have a different kind of accent themselves. It's、sure. really this like interesting medley. So,、um, very, very interesting points, Charlotte. I would say Charlotte that、uh, Leo DiCaprio in The Departed did a really good job too. Uh, and that's coming from a very discerning ear when it comes to the accent.、Uh, in, on my behalf,、uh, and that's that was actually the first movie that I really liked Leo in.、Uh, I thought he did an excellent job there.、Uh, on Facebook, we have one from Angela Hickey. She says, "Blake, I have three things to tell you. Number one, this episode had more moments in lines right from the book. Most of what you highlighted as moving character moments, and which is of course what Outlander is to you." And they had more than of this than any other episode this season. That is because say what you will or want about Diana, the woman understands character and emotion. And when they strip in more of her dialogue, it makes a big difference. Season one had a lot of it, but season two took more adaptive choices that limited how much could be used. But this episode was packed with it, especially in the spots. Where it really mattered, and number two, what you said about the focus is very true. This is what we have been trying to say all season. It is where things went askew. When Ron said early on, when asked to describe the season, he said the first half is about political intrigue, and the second half, of course, is a war story. And I knew then the focus was wrong, and this season would have would have problems. It is what they did, but not what they should. Have done. They lost sight that above all else, this is a love story. The other stuff is, is the setting, but not the primary story. Which is why, at the end, you feel like you finally get to what this season is about—the star-crossed love story of Jamie and Claire amidst this craziness and what leads to their separation. And like you said, you built to Culloden the whole time and never see it because, in the end, it's only real importance. Was that it was the thing that forces Jamie and Claire's parting and heartbreak. He made the politics and war the main story, and the love story a side note in it. This never should have been that way. It was all backward, and to me, the finale proves that. Angela, I'm. You, the, oh. Bam! Just like that. Listen, I, I don't know about the whole thing about the about the the, the lines from Diana's writings or whatever, I, and and whatever. It's I, I'm sure that it was all there, but when you have to make a TV show, it's based in the characters, and the finale did that. Uh, and uh, you know I've I've already complained about it all. I will finish and- Angela's point because her third point is that I am one thousand percent right oh,、okay. <laughs> that you Blake are going to love season three. It is truly one of the best of the Outlander series. It has everything, all the feels. <laughs> 
She says that she's hoping and praying that they stay on track with the character moments, heart, and love story. Voyager is so rich that way. She hopes and prays, and is not only saying this because she heard Ron say in an interview, that his definition that after Claire goes back, it's an adventure story. And it is somewhat. I'm praying that he doesn't do the same thing with the adventure story that he did with the war story, or ships and pirates, etc., become the main point of the season. Hopefully, there will be a better balance. I believe it will be. Voyager is very episodic and seems easy to adapt and stay true. And so, Blake, you will love it. I really can't wait for season three. (laughs) You know, everybody's telling me I'm going to love it. I I think I probably will. I've heard Ron say that it has been easier to adapt than uh, Dragonfly and Amber so far as he was writing uh, the scripts for Mm -hmm. season three uh, with all of the other writers. So we'll we'll see. I mean, I, I hope so. Donna Antaramian, my girl, my mystery Massachusetts girl, she says, did either of you notice when uh, Jillian is at the Stones that she is wearing the woolen cape, the same cape that Claire first meets Galus in? No, I did not notice that. Thank you, Donna. This is why you rock. She does rock. You know who else rocks is Bella Lee. She wrote in the episode of Outlander Cast, episode 69, gets five kills. Hey-o! Thank you. She says, you guys were almost better than the finale itself. You covered so much that I loved. So many goodies. And if I had a rear quibble with a point of view, the other one balanced it out with the other point of view. To honor the spirit of the podcast, here are a few more echoes or additions to the ones you mentioned and tidbits that I hope I didn't imagine. So the first one that Bella talks about is when Bonnie Prince Charlie does his doubting Thomas thing and says and pressed his fingers where the nails had been he looks at Jamie's palm where the nail had gone in wrong hand to be literal but I don't care who has more reason to hate the fracking British to whom he's already <laughs> fracking martyred himself than Jamie you fracking nitwit listen to him <laughs> such a good point uh, when Roger and Brianna were first shown driving together somewhere between Inverness and Fort William I thought of Jamie Amy and Claire's ride to Castle Leoc in their first scenes together through the same countryside. Solomon Burke's Baby Come On Home playing in the background made it just crazy. So glad that you got in Galus's red tights equals the red shoes. She and the Bonnie Prince were the only ones in the episode wearing red. Ooh, good one. Since King James's symbol was actually the white rose, this showed how off course that they were and, as it happens, into human sacrifice. Ugh. After Dougal's death, it had occurred to Bella that the exact reason that Colum wanted Jamie to be chief is because he knew that Jamie would do anything, including murder and die to save his men and in the end it devastated Bella when it turned out that Claire and Jamie had helped the other one to do uh, sorry the other one thing too hard to do alone Claire pushing Jamie's hand into the dirk just like Jamie pushed her hand into the stone oh my effing god that is one fracking awesome awesome uh, notation to what because, oh my God, that was amazing. Great job, Bella. I really like that. Mm-hmm. You know, listen, I had a lot of I had a lot of fun in the in the finale, and there is so much to unpack there. And I'm certain um, that we're going to keep talking more about it. But the one thing that has really impressed me so far is, is that mention of uh, Jamie helping Claire, and then Claire helping Jamie again. It, it's it's representative of the fact that they are one unit no matter what no matter even if they have to kill somebody or even if they have to send claire back they're doing it 
together. And ultimately, that is the most important thing you can do, you know, as a, as a married couple. Hey, speaking of married couples, Margaret Ashley Crobb says, Blake, don't be so yucked out over the Brie and Roger difference. It's seven or eight years. At one point, you exaggerated that it was 10 years. So get this. Margaret and her husband met when he was in his early 20s and she was in her late 20s, a 6.5 age difference. Huh? When two souls who are meant to be together find each other, it's ageless. We never know when that right time is going to be. And Kendra, what did Kendra have to say? Even Kendra called me out on this one. Mm-hmm. You know, our trusty editor-in-chief, you know, you think that she would have my back. You think that she Who, would take care of me. Nobody's going to have your back, and you, my friend, are in for an interesting ride with age differences you know, the further we go in the outland universe. Listen, I get it. I, it was probably a, a little short-sighted of me to, little, to say something like that. Oh. Listen, I was all jacked up because because of the uh, the finale. What do you yeah. want me to do? I was, I was on an emotional roller coaster. and say, love is love. Love is love. And Kendra wants to let me know that love is love by when she says, as far as the age difference, Blake, it's just a number in the end. Kendra is eight years older than her husband, and they are matched perfectly. How about that? How about that? See? Boom, Blake. Kendra, you just, you owned me, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Just, you know, call, you know, I'll call you my daddy and that'll be the end of it. What does that even mean? You never, you never heard of that phrase? No. No, let's just go to the voicemails. (laughs) All right, let's do it. You're so confusing. I'm not confusing. I, I, listen, I can't help it. What do you want me to do? Hey, Mary and Blake, this is Suzanne up on the Canadian border in Maine. Um, just real quick, I, a lot of people have been um, sort of trashing Brianna um, and her, the way she, um, you know, talks to her mom and uh, things that she does with her mom. Um, just real quick, I'm a doctor, and um, I did my training before my daughter was born, Um but when you think about it, Claire um, went through medical school and seven years of residency to be a surgeon. So um, didn't finish training then, you know, until uh, Brianna, if she started, like when Brianna was one or two, um, if Brianna was, you know, in her mid-teens um, by the time that Claire um, got out of training. Um, and so... You know, that's 100 hours a week, pretty much. Um, so you can see why I think Brianna, at least I used to think that when um, the few times I listened to Voyager and all these books, um, I'm an audiobook listener, um, you know, it's, I think it's a, the main reason that Brianna is probably closer to Frank um, and uh, was closer to Frank. Um, and... It, it actually in Voyager that does come up like when she gets hit by a car and all that. Um, and then lastly, I just think Katrina Balfe deserves an Emmy. She just did a fabulous. They they all are fabulous, but um, especially her. I think it was just a wonderful wonderful performance. Um, love your podcast and uh, hope there's a lot going to be going on during Droughtlander. Um, and thanks again for everything. Um, have a great rest of the summer, and I'll be listening. Thanks. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for calling in and, and giving us that actually really great 
uh, introspective or uh, th- that great context about what it would take for Claire to become a surgeon. I mean, yeah. all that time, like you think, like you don't, you don't like think, okay, well, she's a surgeon. Okay, she just did what she did. She took all of her experience from World War II and then became a surgeon. Ta-da! Wrong. She had to go learn. She mm-hmm. had to go to school. She had to spend a hundred hours a week doing whatever she had to do. Coming home and studying. I mean, I know for myself, one of my roommates was at Brown Medical School. I never saw her. <laughs> I honest to God never saw her. She just, she came out of her room like a hobbit every once in a while to eat. And then she went back. A hermit, not a hobbit. Well, hobbits eat. Hobbits eat frequently, but they're very social beings. I would call her a hermit a more hermit? than a hobbit. How about a, how about a, gr- a, uh, a gremlin? You know nothing about sci-fi. Move on. <laughs> I know tons about Mo- sci-fi. Move on, Padawan. Move oh on. my word. Hi, Donna from Mast. A 4.9 kilt rating. This episode was extraordinary in so many ways. The writing was spot on. It was directed and filmed beautifully. The music was perfect. The costumes were wonderful. I am a book reader, and the storyline fulfilled my emotional needs to end season two. We get to meet Roger and Brianna, and they are as I expected them to be. Um, there was one minor historical era. 68, Brie would not be attending Harvard. Most Ivy League colleges didn't allow women in until 77. Kat's portrayal of older Claire is so good. There are so many scenes that she tore at my heart. You could feel her pain and loss for Jamie, especially when she is at Culloden to say goodbye. And then her desire to mend her relationship with Bree and share who her real father is. I loved all the flashbacks, those final moments to 46. I was sad to have to say goodbye to some very beloved characters, at least for now. But the piece de resistance was at the songs. See, I'm so delivered those iconic last lines to Claire. That whole piece of Jamie dancing Claire back to the stones, turning around and forcing her hand as one tear rolled down his face just grabbed my heart. So why 4.9? That final minute. I'm sorry it was corny. The sun coming up through the stone, shining on Claire's upturned face and her saying, I have to go back. It was so gone with the wind. Until next season, au revoir. Well, thank you, Donna. I love when you call. And, you know, to be honest, I am quite surprised about this about this history at Harvard. And as a matter of fact, as you said it, I was Googling it just to make sure that you were correct. And you were. And here it is. It says, uh, uh, bah, 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 where, where is it? Uh, women were segregated until 1977. Harvard's undergraduate population remained predominantly male, with about four men attending Harvard College for every woman studying at Radcliffe. So all the Ivy Leagues, she's right, necessar- didn't necessarily involve women until 1977. Yeah, she would have said Radcliffe. Interesting. Because yeah, well, that was like the sister school, I right, think. Right, no, it, it was. So Brown and Columbia were also shameful. Women, they, they chose not to, to go there. Shameful. That's what it says here. Shame. Shame. <laughs> <laughs> Game of Thrones. Okay. Listen, we're not allowed to talk about Game of Thrones right. anymore. Okay, continue. I guess I did too much of that this season. Hi, Mary and Blake. It's Laura in White Plains, New York, also known as Sweetie on the bed blog. We've been doing some Outlander podcasts ourselves. Um, my good, bad, great is this. Uh, good was Roger. I really liked the actor that was playing Roger. I, I don't know if it was exactly what I pictured from the books, but I warmed up to him immediately, and I thought he was great. Um, bad uh, was Bree's hair. I just, I didn't think it was red enough. I, I 
you know, that's not the actress's fault. That's, I don't know, costuming, makeup. I just pictured it much more red. I wouldn't have even known it was meant to look red unless I knew it was meant to look red. Uh, great, I thought, was the scene with Jamie when he sends Claire back through the stones. I, I couldn't even believe that Sam could act like that. I, I, I don't know where he pulled that from, but... And it was great that those lines were from the book. I don't know if that was Matt Roberts putting those in, but um, I just thought his delivery was unbelievable. Totally blew me away. Many, many tears. Love you guys. Bye. Thank you very much for calling in. And and furthermore about this Harvard thing, I did a little bit more research here just in the meantime. Uh, it says that Harvard graduate schools began admitting women in the small numbers in the late 19th century and during World War II. This is the graduate schools. Uh, and then students at Radcliffe College, which since 1879 had been paying Harvard professors to repeat their lectures for women students, began attending Harvard classes Along alongside men. The first class of women was admitted to Harvard Medical School in 1945, and since the 1970s, Harvard has been responsible for essentially all aspects of admission, instruction, and undergraduate life for women, and Radcliffe was formally merged into Harvard in 1999. So, is it possible that she was at Harvard during this small time? I don't think she was part of the graduate program, right? Does it say that she was part of the graduate program? I, I don't know. Uh, but it's more than likely that she was probably not a Harvard student. She was more than likely a Radcliffe student. So that is that. Um, but, you know, hey, it's crazy. And and then I'll, I'll say, too, um, that about her hair, is it red enough? I, you know, I, I think I, I got the gist of it. Um, because consider this, too. She also has Claire as a mother, right? So some of that is going to play into it. For example, our daughter Felicity, she has like straight up strawberry blonde hair. And Mary's hair is near black. And my hair is very dark brown. Where in God's name did my daughter get strawberry blonde hair unless it's from the mailman? And, you know, I, I, I don't think that the mailman is that familiar with my wife. So, well, how does that happen? So, is it red enough? I don't know. Can I buy it? Certainly. What do you think, my love? Do you think it should have been red, or did you buy it the way that I it was? I think it was fine. I think it was red, and red is red. There are different shades of red in redhead, red-headed families that I've seen, so I'm okay with it. Uh, the other thing I've been hearing lately, too, is about her eyes, that uh, she didn't have Jamie's eyes. They weren't blue like Jamie, or, or something to that effect. Yep. And my retort to that is, sure, it would it be better if she had his eyes? Of course it was. Of course it would be. But maybe the reason why they didn't do it, I don't think that's something that that's an oversight that they just didn't pay attention to. Although they they have made some mistakes this season, most most notably the the date mistake early on in the season. But it, it this reeks of Sophie not being able to wear contacts. Like she, like maybe it irritated her eyes. Uh, now that this isn't official or anything, so I I don't know. But this is just me presuming this idea that perhaps she isn't able to wear contacts because it irritated her eyes. Thereby, she could not change the color of her eyes. If this was the case, my darling, would this be acceptable to you? 
Because like, I know they did this in Harry Potter, right? D- uh, Daniel Radcliffe could not wear contacts because it screwed up with his eyes. So they just said, ah, screw it. We're not going to change the eye color to match his mother's. I, I think it's very different than Harry Potter. I think that the mother had an incredibly small role. And throughout the entire Harry Potter series, everyone told Harry, your eyes are just like your mom's. Mm-hmm. Like It was such an important part of Harry Potter himself is that everyone said oh you look like your dad but you have lily's eyes and then for the actress to play harry having not even the same eyes and for the young actress to that played lily didn't have at all the same eye color that really really bothered me now in outlander um no one's saying brie you have jamie's eyes mm-hmm. claire says you remind me of him so much mm-hmm. but she doesn't say you have his beautiful eyes so I'm okay with it because in this universe the TV universe they're staying along the same track they messed it up in Harry Potter <laughs> but, 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 yeah, but Daniel Radcliffe literally could not wear the contacts to change his I eyes I was fine with I, J.K. Rowling came out and said it's okay that he doesn't have the same color eye that Harry in the books does as long as his mom has the same eyes that's all that matters okay. because literally the line is you have your mother's eyes gotcha and they didn't do that so they should have had the mom wear contacts so we're just going to nerd out on harry potter there and outlander and i talk <laughs> this is riveting podcasting <laughs> hey guys this is jessica from california um upon my first viewing of this episode i was actually disappointed um i felt so emotionally compromised because of the constant switching between the timelines For example, when Dougal dies, it was so emotionally charged, and I was on the verge of tears, but before I could fully immerse myself in that moment, it was over, and Roger is now singing to rest in the attic with Brianna. It made me less appreciative for the 1960s timeline, because I wanted to continue to stay with the tension of what was happening in the 18th century, because it's the culmination of an entire season, and also because you know Claire will go back to the stones and want to relish in every moment leading up to it, and not just in two or three minute intervals. Um, however, when I watched it a second time, I was able to appreciate the episode so much more, especially the 1960s storyline, because I was prepared to be thrust in and out of the timeline. That being said, I would love to see this episode edited with the 18th century scenes together in the middle, bookended by the 1960s scenes, um, because except for that final scene with the weird lighting, um, I thought that each scene was fantastic. Um, they just didn't allow room to breathe in each scene, so I never felt like I could truly emotionally invest. So, um, anyways, I'm glad to hear that most everyone else loved it, and I look forward to viewing it many more times, and I'm sure that my love and appreciation for it will only grow. Um, So, anyways, can't wait to hear your thoughts. Bye. Thank you so much for calling in. My darling, what did you think of the fractured storytelling? Did you appreciate the fact that they were going back and forth the way that they did, or would you like to see the same thing, which is, you know, the 18th century stuff edited together and then bookended by the 20th century stuff i think i liked it this way i liked it this way because i got something fun or juicy or um emotionally challenging for me during each one of these bits Mm -hmm. so i i personally liked it this way i did too i i thought it was good i thought it added uh you it here's the thing when you do 
quick cuts and you do uh, jumps back and forth in time, you're trying to create a tense effect. That's the entire point of doing that. Christopher Nolan, the man behind the Dark Knight trilogy and Interstellar and uh, all, all those great movies. Inception. Like, think of Inception. How that movie went back and forth constantly, right? Mm-hmm. And you were in a dream within a dream, then back to the other dream, back to the plane of reality. You know, it was it's to create that tension. And I felt like they had done that. Although, I will say, going from a scene like Killing Dougal to then Roger singing to Bree, yeah. yes, that is a little bit jarring for me. Should there have been more time to breathe with that scene of Killing Dougal? Yeah, I think there should have been. Mm-hmm. Especially because when you consider that moment, that is a huge moment. It is momentous that Dougal is now dead at the hands of Claire and Jamie. And not only that, Rupert walks in to see it. Think of how uh think of how cataclysmic that event is within the McKenzie clan. Yep. And now we're going to see Rogers sing to to Bree. Like, what are we talking about here? And th- that, and as much as I loved the, how they did the the Dougal killing scene and how they had you know Claire help and how they did it together and all that stuff and the emotional impact that we spoke about last episode, I kind of feel like killing Dougal was a little swept under the rug at, because. It just, it happened and then they were moving on. You know, it, mm-hmm. do you agree with that or do you think that they gave it enough justice? I mean, considering the context. I do, you're right. I did that, that moment did not have enough time to breathe. Right. Yeah. And I, I wish they had spent a little bit more time there. Uh, I think we luckily were able to spend a lot of time on it during our last podcast about Morning Dougal. We did. And, and, and that's funny because even though we spent a lot of time, the show didn't. And, it's uh, I don't know I think it's a, it's an integral part to what they were they were trying to do uh, and maybe maybe they just underplayed it because they were so quick to get to all the other stuff that was happening uh, and and thank God thank the holy world any deity that you can think of that this episode was an hour and a half thank God because if it was just an hour. Oh my word! Can you imagine what would have been cut out? Like oh my gosh. I, I can't even. I can't even. Like that no. should be a good exercise for the, like the listeners. What would you cut out? Oh my god! Seriously, if you had if you had to cut out a good twenty minutes of the finale, what would you cut? I think that's a good question. We would like to know that. Tell us on the Outlander Cast Clan Gathering or write us on the on the website uh, to tell us in your comments. Um, I, because I don't know what else I would cut, but that's a hard choice, man. I don't think I could do that. All right. You ready to get to the next voicemail? Yes. Let's do it. Hi, Miriam Blake. This is Lisa from Oakland. Um, I have an idea. During the drought, um, wouldn't it be fun if we did a season GBG, okay, where we each choose our GBG episodes for the season and we share why? I I would enjoy that. Let me know what you think. I think that is brilliant, and that shall be an entire episode. There it is. Boom. We just nailed it. That's confirm it, baby. Put it in the books. We're having a GBG episode. 
I like that idea a lot. All right, let's get to the last voicemail. If my computer would work. It's Teddy again. We had Tang in the 60s. Goodbye. <laughs> Teddy, we love you so much. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh. We had oh Tang in the sixties. I'm sweating. Goodbye. 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 That. Love that, you, Teddy. Oh my word! That. There you go. There was Tang in the sixties. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry if you guys are listening to this. You're like, why are you laughing so hard? I don't, I don't know. It's just it. Teddy's just the, the best. She's so effing funny. She's so fracking funny. <sighs> I guess so. I guess I was wrong. The the tank was invented in the 50s, and they, I guess they use it in the the space program. This is another thing that a lot of people called us out on, by the way. Well, me specifically because I was the one that said it was a thing of the 80s. Tang, I guess, was invented in the 50s, and they used it in the space program in the 60s, and then it became a thing, like, you know, worldwide, and then and then Tang became what Tang is. Um, and I just, I was completely unaware. I was completely ignorant of that fact, which I think says a lot more about me than it does everybody else. <sighs> so that is the, the last of the voicemails, mm-hmm. my darling. Do you have any other ideas or a- any other comments about uh season well about the finale just the finale yeah Yeah, because we are going to have a season recap i just i really enjoyed this episode i loved so much about it i've watched it several more times since then and i've i've loved being able to discuss it with you guys and it's i think it was such a great jumping off point because there was so much i felt like as cheesy as those stones were at the end we all felt like we need to go back we all need to go back and reread the books and reread voyager and get excited and think about what's coming up and now with our the outlander cast clan book club like we're all geeking out and (laughs) so i think that this episode was just it was like gasoline and it just fueled us all I, I would agree. Uh, I think people are now I, Outlander set records for stars um, this season, mm-hmm. which obviously you know stars has recognized that, and they have renewed it for two more seasons, which is great. Um, and I think people are now. I don't want to say a fever pitch for Outlander, but they they are pretty excited by it. And one of my recommendations to you is, yes, please reread Voyager or rewatch seasons one and two. Watch it to your heart's content and enjoy Outlander. But my challenge to you and my love, I want to get your recommendations on this too. My challenge to you, the listener, is to find something else. Find another show to, to watch and to love and to care about. And not because... I want you, not because I I don't like Outlander, of course I do, but I want you to broaden your horizons a little bit. Now, am I going to be a little self-serving here and say watch The Leftovers so you can listen to more Mary and Blake on our other podcast, The Living Reminders, shameless plug? Yes, of course. The Leftovers on HBO, uh, Sunday nights at uh, 9 o'clock. And I think it's coming back out in, in 2017. However, find another show. And my recommendations to you for, for you to watch this upcoming season, I would say the best thing you can do is watch Battlestar Galactica. 
If you like Outlander and you like Ron Moore and you like the, the, the way that Outlander is written, I promise you, ask my girl Denise Stewart, ask, ask Kendra, ask, ask anybody. Battlestar Galactica is literally probably in the top 10 best series ever created. Would you agree with this statement? Or do you think that people that are Outlander fans should watch Battlestar Galactica? Okay, I would not necessarily say it's one of the top 10 ever best created in really? my list. Okay, yeah, no, that's in fine. In my list, I have very different tastes than you, yes. but I really enjoyed it. And I will tell you this, getting to know Ron Moore and Tony Graffia and Bear McCreary Steve McNutt and who, Steve McNutt who was the uh, DP on totally different on a totally different show was really exciting mm-hmm. and it is still a strong strong female character which Ron Moore loves to work and and have shows about so watch it it's very different but if you are okay with the sci-fi fantasy in Outlander you might be okay with the sci-fi fantasy in Battlestar Galactica right, right. but it really I mean I got excited just because this same team is now working on a different show so it's kind of like you know it's like a cousin it is it's like a distant cousin yes yes and it's great that Ron has has essentially recreated the team from Battlestar Galactica to create what we have seen in Outlander yeah. and right? he and Bear speak so fondly and frequently still about Battlestar Galactica right and what an impact it was on them and and Iris Stephen Bear like it just what an impact it was for them right it's 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 amazing, and and even Meryl Davis talks about BSG yep. too, which is which is really cool. Uh, I'd recommend that show. The other show that I recommend that's coming out uh, is well, the, the third season's coming out. You can find both seasons that are right that have been already shown on Netflix. <laughs> Mary's just playing random stuff on the computer. To be. That's okay. Uh, the, the the other two seasons that have already uh, come out is Halt and Catch Fire. Uh, I really, really, really enjoy Halt and Catch Fire. It's an amazing television show. I'm having Mary watch it right now. She just completed the first season on Netflix. And uh, I, I just, I adore that show. It's about the computer boom in the, in the 80s in Texas. And Lee Pace is in it. And if you may know him from Pushing Daisies or uh, or The Hobbit or whatever, uh, just an amazing television show. My love. Do you have a recommendation for the listeners to, for a television show to watch for this upcoming season? No, 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 no. Wait, hold on. Come on Feeling now. Feeling lonely <laughs> and so cold. Guys, there we go. Oh, I said cold. How am I doing? Here we go. Here it is. <laughs> My love, what is that song? That, of course, is the theme song to the Gilmore Girls. The Gilmore Girls is completely available for you up on Netflix. Totally different genre. Makes you really feel good, and you have to be able to really listen to people who talk very fast because they talk very fast. In the Gilmore Girls. But the Gilmore Girls is having a wonderful uh, rebirth. This, on Netflix? This fall through Netflix. And Blake and I have cre- are creating um, a new podcast called You've Been Gilmore. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be all about the Gilmore Girls, especially leading up to this new release. So if you think about it, it's the end of the summer here. You have more than enough time to watch all of the seasons of Gilmore Girls. They're fun, quick episodes. And be ready 
for the new season of the <laughs> Gilmore Girls. And get ready to get sucked in, too. Yeah, it's, it's at Thanksgiving, and uh, it's going to be amazing. Re- so that ready. would be my recommendation. And, and you know, the funny thing is, too, is I was actually thinking about You've Been Gilmore, and I was thinking that we should do the top 10 episodes of Gilmore Girls, like throughout all the first seven seasons, like the, just the, to- the top 10. And we'll make a, an episode about those top 10 per episode, right? And then we'll make... We'll, we'll do the, the new season one at a time. What do you think about that? Just the top 10. So we don't have to go through the whole catalog. I don't know. I don't even know yet. My brain can't even handle it yet. <laughs> We're not even finished with Outlander yet. Seriously. We're moving on to You've Been Gilmore. All right. right. So you got our suggestions. Yeah. Anything else, my darling? Just to make sure to join the Outlander Cast clan gathering on Facebook for all of the great discussions. Keep your eyes on the Outlander Cast blog because that is going to be having continual content to keep you, you know, Keep your Outlander fix going during Droughtlander. That's right. And our new book club. Book club, people. Listen. We're here for you. There you go. We are creating an avenue for you to get your Outlander crack fix. There you go. That's what it is. Let's close out the show. All right, let's close it out. everyone this of course was us wrapping up episode 213 with the listener feedback we're going to be back with a season finale recap of Blake and I and also this uh, GBG situation that we're going to have brilliant idea by the way we're going to be having I think at least one episode per month in Droughtlander Uh, and we're going to be having interviews with with specific people and we're going to be bringing in special guests we're going to have a special Battlestar Galactica episode dedicated to just BSG uh, in one of those months and that should be coming up pretty soon Uh, and we've already confirmed I I can say this now uh, we we are bringing back Allison Keen uh, from Collider.com she is amazing she is great at her job she is the chief TV editor at Collider.com this big amazing website uh, who takes care of all of the entertainment world uh, and like she did in season one she will be recapping and talking about season two with us the date has not yet been confirmed but she is definitely coming on and I'm really excited about I'm that. really excited too so there's lots of fun things make sure that you're signed up for our newsletter. You can find that at outlandercast.com. Find us on all different types of social media. But this has been such a pleasure and such a journey to be here with you for all of season two. Stay tuned, of course, for our recap. And uh, it's been a pleasure. So until next time, ladies and gents, I'm Mary Larson. My name's Blake. And you've been listening to Outlandercast. <laughs>